<laughs> what a match day this was. It's lights out and away we go. Podcasting from Studio Twenty Five Twenty. Somewhere near Akron, Ohio. And accompanied by the 5th and 6th grade Hartville Mennonite Band, live in studio. This is Tackling the Chicane. All right. So right off, <laughs> right off the bat, I just want to say I know you've been planning that particular intro for days at this point. Uh, one, because the Hartville Mennonite Band thing, there's no way that was off the dome. Two, you messaged me, and this is about to get really... Uh, deep here you messaged me about rube goldberg's name and if you've ever seen the music video for this song it's rube goldberg machines right exactly. and that was two or three days ago now so yeah so ruminating so just for all the listeners uh everything that my co-host does is always calculated and meticulously planned for this show yeah, I have some kind of weird sickness <laughs> in my brain. But yeah, so there's like three rows over here. <laughs> yeah, we got <laughs> Johnny on the trumpet is in rest position here in the studio. <laughs> and we will uh, allow you guys to take a brief intermission. We're going to need you to come back for the outro. Oh, the outro is going to be sweet. So. Uh, okay. Tight elbows, Johnny. <laughs> tight elbows. Get tight over there. <laughs> All right. Well, another show, episode 45 on deck here. Um, the big, well, I guess the headliner of the show, which we're going to start with, uh, is the U.S. men's national team uh one one somewhat underwhelming performance uh, draw against Jamaica in their opener in the 2023 edition of of the Gold Cup. Uh, so that is what we're going to lead off the show with. We also have uh, some. We're going to have to say a goodbye to a 
beloved friend of the show, but I will leave you guys on edge for that because that'll be after the U.S. men's national team discussion. And then on the F1 side of things, we are going to prepare ourselves for the Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Ring this Sunday and maybe delve into Ryan Reynolds and his crew's uh, takeover, or at least partial takeover, of the Alpine Formula One team. Sounds like a uh, very loaded episode. So, yeah, let's get into USA v. Jamaica. Yeah. Just off the cuff, a very entertaining and enjoyable match to watch. Um, not real keen on the officiating, not real happy with the officiating, but maybe you can lay a blanket over, you know, my youngster <laughs> play into, you know, this, this league. I'm not, I'm not sure if, what I saw was normal or not normal, but uh, did you not see a lot of non-calls in this game? So traditionally in the Gold Cup and CONCACAF uh, tournaments, um, the officiating does leave a lot to be desired in many occasions. Uh, in hearkening back to this particular match, uh, I would say it was pretty fair to say it was not super well officiated. Um, missed calls are definitely <laughs> something that seemed to happen quite a lot in this particular match. And also sometimes befuddling calls that were made. Um, but what you're getting at basically is is this the norm for officiating in CONCACAF and the answer to that is yes <laughs> okay Bailey what say you let's I think the, the people want to know what does CONCACAF stand for <laughs> um, so it's a sort of shortening um, of a number of different words. It, it's not a true acronym. So its full government name is the Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. Um, so <laughs> instead of, I don't know, the uh, CNCACAF or whatever, we uh, call it CONCACAF, um, and it is the region that uh, the U.S. are a member of, so it is basically the North American governing body for association football, or soccer as we call it here. Um, your European equivalent would be UEFA, uh, or CONMEBOL in South America, so it's basically just the governing body for soccer in on this side of the globe and north of South America. We prefer to affectionately call it the league. <laughs> I'd like to set it for the motion to call it the league because that's a lot of words. <laughs> um, okay. 
but it was fun to watch. Not, not unlike the Seinfeld episode where we prefer to call it the Institute. It's <laughs> the Institute. Yeah. So not exactly. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but I think uh, getting back to the match here, uh, I think the if someone were to just tune into the game and go, oh, the U.S. is playing, let me, you know, maybe I haven't watched since the World Cup or whatever, and you're going, well, where are all my my favorite players? Uh, where are all the guys that I remember playing in the World Cup? Uh, they're not here, uh, is the answer to that question. So there was a official summer FIFA international window that just passed, and that passed uh, – with the Nations League, where the U.S. played Mexico. And in that particular game, uh, you saw the U.S.'s pretty much full-strength A-team, in air quotes, Um, whereas this team is made up largely of MLS guys or uh, guys not really, you know, locked into that starting 11 if the U.S. was, you know, running out its full team. So just looking at the lineup in this particular game, um, I believe 10 or n- 9 of the 11, I think, guys are... 8 of the 11 guys play in Major League Soccer. Uh, exclusions being Matt Turner in goal, plays for Arsenal. Uh, Alex Zendejas uh, plays for Club America in Mexico. Alan Senora. Uh, does not play in MLS, so those are your three. Everyone else is stateside here in Major League Soccer, so it is a completely different team from the one we saw just a couple weeks ago. And it, a notably very young. Yeah, I think it was in all right now in the kind of the era of U.S. Soccer that we're in. The whole player pool is really young, so you always see stats of like this is the youngest team they've ever rolled out for so-and-so competition. Um, <laughs> little mic adjustment here. <laughs> We're good. That's, We're square. That's yeah. <clears throat> Top doesn't work. You have to be on the front side. Mm. Thank you, Maybe. audiophile. Um. And then just looking at Jamaica before we kind of get into the the nitty-gritty of this match, um, their attack is actually full of a lot of Premier League talent. Uh, and I think it's fair to say they uh, made us pay in this particular match. So Mikel Antonio, striker, West Ham, Premier League. Leon Bailey, uh, forward, Aston Villa, the Premier League. Uh, Damari Gray, who gets the goal for Jamaica in this match, plays for Everton in the Premier League. And then Bobby DeCordova-Reed, a midfielder, number 10, plays for Fulham in the Premier League. So potentially in years gone by, anytime the U.S. played Jamaica, it was, you know, we're going to win and we're going to win comfortably. I think it's shifting a little bit in that Jamaican program where it does seem like they have a lot of, you know, true talent playing at the highest level. Yeah, so I have in my notes, the first um, notable play was there was a very quick 
yellow card for low. Um, probably the third minute or so. Um, I don't know if that was a caution flag by the referees or if he's a very physical player, but a card that early usually sends up a little bit of a warning for me. Um, I don't know what. I think it kind of, you, we always talk about how refs uh, are going to officiate particular matches and, and different styles of officiating. A lot of times what you get in CONCACAF is either one of two extremes, one being kind of like what we saw against Mexico, where we're not going to call anything until we absolutely have to. And then this style is more of we're going to set the tone and try to make sure that there's no, I don't know, roughhousing or tackles that are too physical, especially for group stage match number one of the Gold Cup. Um and I think the referee was just trying to have his presence be felt. And unfortunately, I think um, Damien Lowe was kind of just made an example where, you know, in Jamaica, we're always going to be a little physical with the U.S., but I thought maybe that one is a little quick-handed there. Yeah, and 13th minute off of the penalty set piece is uh, Jamaica scores i think it was low again a great header yeah so damien low does get the first goal of this match and i don't know about you guys when you were watching it but it did feel like they had kind of set the tone in terms of we're not going to get bullied by the u.s we're going to take the game to them uh and i thought you know especially in the midfield the u.s was getting kind of run ragged uh kind of late to uh, the second balls. Challenges weren't really flying in. And Aiden Morris of the Columbus crew was just, he was really bad. Uh, he gives away the foul that leads to this free kick. Um, I just, he seems like a kid that is really young, obviously, but Anytime he, he puts on the shirt for the U.S., it just suddenly becomes like the, the stage is too big for him. Despite the fact that he's been a great performer for the past two, three seasons for the crew. So as a crew fan, you always want to see you know the, the players from the team you like do well for the national team. But I'm kind of at the point with Aiden Morris where I, <laughs> I think he might benefit from some time away from this team well there just there didn't seem to be a lot of urgency in the midfield like you kind of alluded to it there were there were just balls hanging out there all the time like you could see it you could like one like a whole second and you were just like all right who's gonna get the ball like who's this pass to and i mean just lost possession so many times in the mid when you need to control those they need to be precise you just didn't see it Jamaica seemed to pick apart this team and just make them frustrated in the mm -hmm. first in the first half. Yeah, uh, and it was they were it was enjoyable to watch, but it it's it was a physical game, but not to the point where, of course, later there were some cards thrown and whatnot. But um, just you could see that. 
that team was frustrated by Jamaica's defense and, you know, how they played the ball. Um, you know, that you, you talked about the Aiden Morris, the foul, but Turner made a great save on the PK. Yeah. So it's interesting because with all of the mistakes and lack of intensity or slack passes coming from the U.S. in that first half, they did kind of balance it out with some good individual moments of, of brilliance or intensity or whatever. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the player that makes probably the most clutch play of the game, Matt Turner, was in the camp before in the Nations League in that team that beat, the, that beat Mexico. And Matt Turner started those games in the World Cup. I Generally, what I took away from the first half was this was a young team that knew they were, were getting out of the group in the Gold Cup. And this game means something, but it's the result isn't all that important because we're just going to beat St. Kitts and Nevis and we're just going to beat Trinidad and Tobago in the next game. Um, and, and, and it showed in the intensity. So that, that save from Matt Turner, uh, I think saved the game entirely because I, it, was, there was I, a rebound too. So it was a double, right? It's a double shot. Yeah. So Leon Bailey took the, the penalty for Jamaica and, it was saved, but the keeper doesn't really have much control on like where the ball goes after he makes the save. And luckily, Leon Bailey just yeah totally scuffed his lines. Otherwise, I think the U.S. was probably staring down the barrel of a somewhat embarrassing loss. Well, and I have a note here after that. There was a lot of no calls late in the first half, or at least what I felt were no calls that should have been i can't you know i I can't pencil it into specific plays but there were a lot of no calls basically yeah first half um extra time usa takes a shot no goal i think it was morris you know yeah i most of the the shots were confined to confined to long range sort of let's just see what happens type of stuff um which is more of a credit to jamaica than anything because they were defensively rigid and when they got the ball were able to play it forward in a way that challenged the u.s defense who frank uh frankly i didn't really think or I don't think they were under the impression they would be challenged before the game started. Well, and did, how did you, I mean, try to summarize the first half of this game. It felt like USA was kind of, you know, on the back. They were on their backs. Yeah, most of the well, time. and they were. Um, if you just look at the, the first half stats, they were outshot 
the expected goals was in Jamaica's favor. Um, all a lot of the stats, you know, were were lining up in a way that it, it would show Jamaica was actually controlling the match, which they were. So what I'm also learning is possession doesn't really mean it. It means a lot, but they had, you know, sixty-four to whatever thirty-six or do the math yeah but it was they they had possession of the ball but possession doesn't mean that you have the advantage well I, yeah just to put it simply i mean possession doesn't really mean anything if you don't do anything with it i mean there's a lot of teams that play in a way where their idea of imposing themselves on the match is just holding the ball for a long time but not really doing anything with it. Um, I think the classic example is the current Spain national team. Um, games in the Euros two years ago where, you know, they'd have 70% possession, 800 completed passes and scored n- zero times. Like, <laughs> possession is, it's, it's kind of like, Go to go to baseball. Like, um, sure, you want to have a high batting average, but if you don't have a high batting average when runners are in scoring position or when uh, you know, or your RBIs are low, you know, anyone can, you know, have a great three hundred batting average, but have you know no runs batted in. It's kind of that thing, like. You have to have meaningful possession. Billy, did you actually watch the match? Yeah, I was there. Or, so, uh, any comments? Or... <laughs> He's putting them on the spot. Yeah, no. Um, it's I a three-man podcast. We I, have to have three men. I wasn't particularly excited about this match. Um, I was excited to watch it until it started. Um as always, whenever a USA team is doing less than good, <laughs> yeah. uh, I got frustrated. Um, I just understood that it's a young team. Uh, it's not the true, like you said earlier, it's not the USA team that we would present in the World Cup. No. Um, and I, I didn't have the information on it when we were watching it, but... If you're going to put a USA team out, put a USA team out. You got nine 19-year-olds on the on the field, which isn't saying that they couldn't be great players, but mm-hmm. I'd just like, if I'm going to watch the USA team, I'd like to watch them. Yeah, no, and I get I get that. I, I beat the past. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a dub, and then, <laughs> I, was, then I thought it was an L. Then, you know, we came, came in in the second half, Magic magically tried to what's the word you know yeah steal the game i guess yeah i mean just make it less so right mm-hmm. like it's a tie uh i'd have liked to set a pace for this cup mm-hmm. early yeah going, oh well we'll beat the teams you know in the ladder we'll we'll beat those teams yeah Ooh, well like 
beat them all. Yeah. No, I and I get it. And I think that I've had my larger gripe with just the scheduling is like this is supposed to be the premier international competition in our region, but you've now scheduled the Nations League, which is like has only happened twice compared to the Gold Cup has happened like 17 times. Um You've scheduled it in a way where we are forced to put our best team in the Nations League because most of them are European-based, and that tournament happens first, and you know you want them to have their off-season to recover before the next season. And this Gold Cup now becomes the, well, our best team are all in off-season on vacation, and now we have to just put in our... We have to put in... Um, Jordan Morris, who's 31 and has, you know, been serviceable to good in MLS, but has never been good for the national team. Or Aaron Long, same thing, serviceable in MLS, has been pretty much terrible for the national team. So I just wish there was a way where we weren't suddenly in a position each time the Gold Cup comes around to where we go all right, guys, we're going to roll out our, you know, young MLS prospects and then these guys that have already hit their ceiling and, like, there's no development past, you know, MLS. And just, like, we'll, we'll see. If we win, great. If we don't, well, it's not our best team, so it's not a huge deal. Like, it, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, it seems like they, they put out the, the minor league team. They're like, let's get them some experience. Uh, maybe let's hope to win some games, but I just that's not how I think championships and and tournaments should be played. Like you said, it's a scheduling issue. I get it, but overall lackluster uh, day for me. Yeah, and so we'll just we'll skirt to the second half, and you know, in the fifty sixth minute, I had a close miss by. Sendejas. Continue your point. So the 56th minute, there was a close miss by Zendejas. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of misses. Are close. I mean, I guess they are, they're not called misses, but Jamaica's keeper was really good. And yeah. it was solid in the box. Mm-hmm. So we're taking shots. Nothing's going in. Uh, you know, we get in the 66th or so minute, we're subbing in. Um, I think it was R- Roldan came in. Yeah, Christian Roldan, who's yeah. another guy that just shouldn't be on the national team. Who eventually scored the... Uh, so it was Brandon Vasquez. Brandon Vasquez from FC Cincinnati. Um, a... a somewhat young like 25 26 year old um recruited him into the team uh, i'd say about a year ago maybe maybe less i don't know time um but yeah he ends up getting the goal and the equalizer here and we keep starting jesus ferreira in this tournament and it's jesus ferreira is serviceable he's fine he's not really electric 
and he's not like dynamic. He doesn't have like a wow factor really. He puts the ball in the net against teams he should, um, and that's about it. Um, whereas Vasquez seems to have a little bit more kind of electricity about him, a little more intensity to his game, sort of a more pure striker role, which I I prefer. So I would appreciate if BJ Callahan, the interim coach, would start Vasquez from now on. And the U.S. goal came in the 88th minute, and um, thankfully, with I think it was seven minutes of plus time, we were able to stave off a potential punch in the face. Yeah, and again, kind of just summarizes the, the entire match, which was, it seemed like uh, we were kind of lucky not to lose. Um, we had that great penalty save, but then Leon Bailey, you know, totally shanks the rebound open net. Um, and then we weren't really all that great with the, chances we had and then you know there was that you know little late rally from jamaica as well so it's just like take your draw and take your point and move on but certainly a a bit of a performance to forget from the u.s what do we have to look forward to in this uh particular match or round of matches so usa plays whom so they had, their next match is against Trinidad and Tobago. Actually, okay, so they played last night against St. Kitts and Nevis. Um, uh, they won 6-0, and I personally didn't really think it was worth talking about because you can't really... It's like, you know, in college football when the first week Ohio State plays Akron and wins 80 to nothing. It's that and then it's the Buckeye fans rejoice. Yeah, it's like that where it's just like we won, we're way better. There's nothing else to say. So that was kind of like I'm just I I don't really think that deserves a deep dive. So the next match is um, Sunday against Trinidad and Tobago, who are slightly better than St. Kitts and Nevis, but we're basically through to the knockout rounds at this point. Um, along with Jamaica, um, barring a total meltdown, which probably would never happen. So that is next on the horizon for this team. Are there any other uh, teams that the USA would even have to look out for in this cup besides Jamaica? Um, The continents that are playing, I, I wouldn't think so. Mexico, Canada... Costa Rica, <laughs> if you just want me to be like super, yeah, just obvious okay. about it. Like, right. of course, Mexico, uh, which we talked about last episode, not at their peak, but this Mexico team they brought is probably pound for pound better than this U.S. team. Um, Canada is kind of a, a B plus team, so. They would be challenging. I don't know if it's like, oh my god, we there's no way we're winning or beating them. Um, and Costa Rica are solid, uh, if not amazing either. Uh, Panama is usually okay as well. So it's not like um, there's a team that like 
we're going to run into in this tournament and be like, we're, we're definitely not winning, but um, it, it, it's hard to tell because many of these teams do not have their full strength roster. So time will tell. Exactly. So uh, I think that'll just about wrap it up for the U S men's national team talk. All right. Do we, all right. So we will move on from the talk of the U S men's national team. Uh, I did tease it. So I'll just bring it up briefly. Um, Jota, uh, the Celtic forward, uh, has agreed to a deal with Saudi Arabian club, Al Ittihad, I believe. So he is out the door. And of course, that's a tough loss for Celtic. But um, what's weird about this whole situation was this morning, some random like Saudi Arabian magazine or whatever tweeted about it saying, yeah, he's gone. And then but no one else did for hours. So everyone was just like, okay, this is a rumor, like, you know, rubbish, whatever. Uh, this is not happening. And then, you know, two hours ago, maybe all of like the Scottish media was like reputable sources basically were saying that he was gone. So sort of a so, odd turn of events. Who are they going to put in his place? Well, so they're probably just going to have to go out and buy a forward, a winger this summer to replace yeah. him gonna miss him yeah one of the more like the fan favorite type player you know also of course had an eye for goal and whatnot but yeah yeah that, that one definitely sucked and it also was just weird because he just signed a contract for five years last year so i know contracts don't really mean the same thing in sports as they do outside of sports but it is right it's a bit of a bummer you think he gets paid out. Yeah. So he will get paid a ton of money in Saudi Arabia. I think that's probably why he left. Hmm. But yeah. A little sad to see him go. Yeah. Unfortunate, but life goes on. Uh, we can shift our attention now to Formula One in the upcoming Austrian Grand Prix. The Austrian GP. So let's talk a little bit about the schedule uh we have p1 uh tomorrow i guess friday and it's going to be early risers so if you grab your coffee in the morning uh at 7 30 you might want to watch p1 and then qualifying will be at 11 tomorrow and then there's this is a sprint shootout race, so Saturday, I think, will be the sprint shootout and then sprint race. So the sprint shootout is gonna be in art at our time, six AM. So get your D DVRs ready for that. And the sprint will be ten thirty to eleven, then the race at 9 a.m. on the 2nd of June. So 
as far as any other talking points, I mean, we can talk about where drivers are as far as championship points and whatnot, if you want to. Uh, I think it's just important to mention that uh, the sprint is basically a, a, a miniature race. This is only the second one of the season. So a few extra points will be on the line uh, in more, I guess, on-track racing action this weekend. Um, and also, we mentioned it last time there was a sprint, but just as a refresher for people, the sprint no longer determines the starting grid for the GP, so it's totally separate. So there's a, a Grand Prix qualifying session, and then there's a the sprint shootout, which determines the starting grid for the actual sprint. So a little convoluted, but that's the current format right now. Like a good shootout weekend. So the sprint race does not dictate the starting grid for the GP. No. It's separate entirely, whereas last year it did determine the grid. So that that's a pretty well, large it seems difference. Kind of a useless point then. Well, it's it's F one saying we just want to have more racing. <laughs> that's all it is. Um I don't mind it because sometimes you get weird things that happen in the sprint because some teams don't really, i.e. Red Bull, don't really care as much about the sprint, especially in their position being 100-plus points ahead of Mercedes. Um, I mean, last year the sprint gave us, you know, K-Mag starting at pole. So, it, you know, there's just there's just sometimes weird sort of fun stuff that can happen in sprints. And, you know, it's nice to see it, maybe a team get a couple points that normally wouldn't over the course of a whole GP. Sure. So just quickly, uh, driver's stats. Verstappen, 195. Perez, even though he's really not, shown a lot the last few gps is quite quickly behind him um 69 points behind verstappen so one two is verstappen perez and then alonzo at 117 points and this is the uh driver standings uh hamilton 102 and then there's a quick deficit to science at 68 russell 65 uh we'll just go through the next three positions we have leclerc stroll ocon in ninth and then finally 10th is gasly yeah so pretty you know what we knew before i think it is interesting to see Lance Stroll above Esteban Ocon right now. I think that shows just the difference of where the Aston Martin program is uh, as opposed to the Alpine team. Sure. Uh, so here, here, go ahead. Well, you can you can go. No, uh, I'm just – I was going to go to constructors. Yeah, go ahead. Here's where the real 
deficit happens. Uh, Red Bull is 321 points in first place. Number two, Mercedes, 167. So almost a double margin there from one to two, which kind of stinks. And then, you know, eight points, Aston Martin in third. Ferrari is 122. Alpine, 44. So, again, another, the deficits between like one and two and and four and five, it's, it's crazy. So, to have Ferrari has 122, Alpine has 44 points, and then McLaren is the next best in sixth with 17 points. Yeah. So there's kind of a disparage there. So it, it's we have like four good teams this season. Where last year was more like we had three, and then like the rest were okay. Right now, it's like we have four good teams, and then we have six shit teams. Right. Um, so with whatever, I'm sure some of these teams, like Alpine, will probably find their footing as the year continues to march on. But uh, it is interesting to see just the disparity between the top four and the new found, you know top four, the big four with Aston Martin coming into the, the fold. And then teams like McLaren, Alpine, uh, AlphaTauri just kind of floundering. <laughs> um, so, of course, we are still waiting for those teams to kind of catch a break or have a good weekend. Right. So we'll see what the in- injection of, of cash for Alpine <laughs> The Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Pickup. Yeah. So I guess that's the and biggest. I had, seen, I had seen some early information that it was 220 million. That's a lot of money for 24% stake in the team. It yeah. is interesting. Uh, Bailey, do you have anything on this one with the whole Ryan Reynolds thing? Because we know he has his Wrexham thing going on as well yeah i i never finished the article but i i think i have enough background on it to speak to it um as you know ryan reynolds has become is becoming more and more international the world's most interesting man if you will uh he's doing his thing with the uh with his football club and i i think one of the one or two of the people that bought into Alpine with him are also co co-owners of the football team. Um, I know at least one of them was, um, and two two twenty four might, um, sound like a lot for 24%. Um, but given the lucrative nature of this sport and now it's not 24% for the year, you know, like he's got 24% for, this season and all seasons to come until you know they decide to sell or, or trade or do whatever but um he's a very smart businessman uh he does extremely well so i i think it's just a business play he wants to get more into the european market of sports in general motorsports soccer and 
he's diversifying his assets. So, Garrett, you probably know more about this than we do. What say you about his buy-in to the football club? And just give us a quick, you know, pace of what team it is, what league they play in, etc. Yeah, well, I think, firstly, there's a sort of larger trend of American or I guess Ryan Reynolds case, which I just found out Canadian, uh, businessmen, uh, sort of ignoring or choosing very carefully not to participate in the American sports system. Um, you might have your theories on why that is, but I, I think the real answer is, um, it's too expensive here to buy a team and then build it up and turn a profit on a team. Well, so I think, I think we know NFL or major league baseball teams come with a B price. Yeah. And so does, so does NBA. So does probably most NHL teams. So does even some MLS teams at this point. So, American sports right now is too expensive for even a guy like Ryan Reynolds to really see it as an opportunity to make money. Um, so we have seen quite a lot of investment from North America into European sports, especially in soccer to clubs that maybe aren't your big hitters, you know, maybe aren't your your Liverpools, your Real Madrids, your Bayern Munichs. And we're looking at guys like Ryan Reynolds buying a fifth-tier English team, Wrexham. Um, well, technically they're Welsh, but they play in the English system. Um, or Michael B. Jordan, the actor, buying a large stake in AFC Bournemouth in the, the Premier League. It's, it's more of a pattern that we are seeing and I, I think it is very smart. We haven't seen a ton of American investment into Formula One or the, the I guess, the, the world of European motorsport, really. Haas is your, you know, your flagship kind of, this is what we point to when we talk to America in F1. And of course, there's, you know... A, not to say there is an American influence in the FIA, you know, F1, F2, whatever, but I, I think it is interesting to see that Ryan Reynolds and his American backing, although, of course, he's Canadian, I think it's interesting to see them come to Alpine especially um, and look to – this is all about making money. And really, the way F1 is headed, all the all the signs point to – it's only going to become more popular. It's only going to become more lucrative for the people involved. So that I guess that's the way I see it. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a, a killer move. For It's aggressive. It's a killer move for those guys. I mean, they've been, the it's, past couple of years, they've been doing really well. And I think it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see, you know, how it, if it's going to affect Alpine at all or if it's just going to be a, a exchange of, the names behind the team is, you know, I mean, obviously he's going to be going to more races, 
since he has you know a quarter stake in the team. But I uh, just wonder if that'll change the performance of the team at all. And we've we've seen this in the U.S. traditionally with like the Penske's of the world. Um, so there there is money to be made in racing. Apparently, I also think it's a big ask. And let's face it, you know, a guy like Ryan Reynolds needs a cash dump, so. He's going to put his money behind an F1 team. And if, if, and when Alpine really shows up and I believe they will, um, it'll, it, it's going to be great. So. Yeah. I I think it's only going to be interesting and entertaining to see what he does. We know he's, He's a guy that seems to put on a pretty likable uh, demeanor in terms of his public doings, whether that be acting, commercials. I Rexham. only wish that he would have given the money to Haas. <laughs> I don't think Haas is really I, the peak of F1 investment. From a standpoint, I can understand why he didn't. Um, I just, it's actually. It's I don't want to make it the Ryan Reynolds show, but he, he you know he has I don't I think he just sold it or he owned it. It was a uh, is it a phone company? Yeah, I know what you're talking. Is it? I forget what it's Mint called. Mobile. Mint, Mint Mobile. Mobile. Yeah. Right. Like this guy has gone from being before he did Deadpool. You know he had like Green Lantern. Yeah. Uh, don't talk about it in front of him. Whenever I do, he gets really mad. Yeah, um, but like he's gone from you know he's a good actor he's good looking everybody loves him he did Deadpool and then he just shot mm-hmm. like he's he owns a phone company a soccer team and now a major a, a large stake in one of the most grand spectacles of racing there is like he's he's got plans for the future and I mean I think he's just he's really killing it right now and I'm just interested in it a lot of things he does. So yeah. the fact that he's bringing it to Formula One is really cool. So we'll keep a close eye on Alpine, especially yeah. next year. Yeah, when that comes to fruition in 2024. I will say um, uh, in terms of Austria, just if you hearken back to last year, uh, there will probably be a sea of orange and orange flares and smoke bombs and whatnot, uh, which we got last year because it's the Red Bull's home track and there will be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Max Verstappen fans there who all wear orange. So just be on the lookout for that. So we'll... Just briefly go to the Red Bull ring as its moniker. Um, let's see here. Uh, first GP, 1970, 71 laps. Circuit length is 4.3 kilometers. Uh, total distance is 306 and change. Uh, lap record was actually Carlos Sainz in 2020 uh, 105 
0.6. So keep an eye on qualies for that. Yeah. Do, yeah. do my eyes deceive me, or is the track shaped like a bullhorn? It might be, might be intentional. Are the boys buzzing right now, or is that? <laughs> I don't know. The, I, I don't have it in front of me. But got a sector two looks kind of like a bullhorn. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I mean, that would make sense. I, I just expect that kind of grandiose grandstanding from right. anything with Red Bull's name on it. I'm surprised the track isn't held up by hot air balloons in the air. <laughs> so, yeah, really, some guy will be skydiving from Mars onto the infield with the Red Bull helmet on or something before the race. Uh, we don't have a chance to see a submarine of any kind. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired. You know what? Uh, just as podcast tradition of going on to rants uh, in the last 10 minutes, um, sometimes there's this thing where I kind of would call it you, you reap what you sow uh, in life. Uh, firstly, diving to one of the largest and most well-known shipwrecks ever is something i wouldn't do because i'm just not going to tempt fate like that but well uh, a first yeah that's you don't that, go look, down I, there and fuck around i'm not and superstitious B, but i'm a little stitious in B, that. national geographic in 20 or no 1987 dove to that wreck in a proper submarine Mm -hmm. And they actually made footnotes. They had uh, filming and they all made it. But what you don't do is go to a startup company in tin can and pay $250,000 per seat and just trust the fact that whoever built this piece of shit which it ended up being yeah. and go yeah well we can do this fun fun fact for the people at home uh the difference between a submarine and a submersible vessel uh the submersible vessels are what they take down they took down to somewhere near the distance of uh the titanic um they're very small and they're basically designed to just sink and rise, as opposed to you know, a U.S. class submarine, which is meant to travel very far distances. Uh, whatever they took down to whatever part of the ocean it got collapsed in was neither of those. Um, but yes, it's been very interesting um, between that and the toxic air around <laughs> yeah. the studio. you guys alive <laughs> you guys alive so family is a good move just a, a footnote uh studio 2520 has been surrounded by um smoke i guess from our good friends in the maple leaf area thanks a lot for that uh but the last three days of news 
coverage has mostly been about air quality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we didn't uh, acquiesce too much. I've been outside quite a bit. Didn't really notice anything different except well, for the giant haze. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of looks like California out there is what I've been telling people when they ask me about it. But, I mean, we've taken the cars out a couple times this week. and I mean, hey, man, have you been to a bonfire before? That's <laughs> a giant statewide bonfire, brother. I will say as someone that, you know, has ran in it, like, uh, 25 miles worth at this point it's it doesn't make running better uh, I will say that it's it's not that it's like I am wheezing or whatever like I'm going to collapse in upon myself it's more of like there's a little tickle in my throat and this is slightly less enjoyable than the average run would be well yeah it's not it's not clean air. And when yeah. you're running, you're definitely, you know, breathing a lot more air than when you're standing around. But like, I'm telling you, man, stand around the campfire out on the, the patio of studio 2520 was no more, no less than what you're walking around in. And it's yeah. just funny to watch all the, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't want to offend anybody with my, my words, but all these fucking people or you know in their n95s in the car because of the air quality or like we're closing up every every window to the boiler room and it's 140 degrees in there because oh the smoke's gonna get in well yeah all right whatever dude yeah anyways (laughs) i think that's high time to shut her down after we get out the, the sports podcast has shifted into the air quality podcast. <laughs> hey, it's important for boost weather. Okay, let's tie it back in. Well, let's get the um, Mennonite 5th and 6th grader band back in here. <laughs> Johnny, Anyways. eyes up. So let's get going. Four executive producers. Richard Tanaka. Seth Yoder. And Eli Hammerstein. This has been Tackling the Chicane. Courtesy of the fifth and sixth grade Mennonite band. We will see you next time.